one. Here we go. Welcome back to Big Friendly Sports with John Hamm. For 10 games into the NBA season, the Thunder just concluded a short road trip to Sacramento and Phoenix. So we're going to talk about that and talk about the Thunder season. Uh, small takeaways, big takeaways, lots to talk about right now. Before we get started here, I uh, want to give thanks to our sponsors as usual. MidFirst Bank, Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Firelight Casino, and your Oklahoma Ford dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. So our guest today is Jacob Niffin, who is part of the Uncontested Podcast. Jake and I have known each other for quite a while. Uh, every once in a while, we get a wild hair and say, we need to do a show or a pod together. So it is happening again. Uh, so you can uh, you can get the Uncontested Pods throughout the week, after every game. And uh, you can find Jacob on Twitter at Jacob Niffin. Jacob, how is it going today, sir? It is going great, Ham. Thanks so much for having me on. I super appreciate the invite. Absolutely. And, you know, this is uh, this is a good time of year right now. You know, it, I, I say that and then people start getting like flummoxed when the Thunder have the audacity to lose a game or two. But let's go back and talk about this road trip a little bit. So go back to Sacramento. And that's a game that, you know, we talk about learning experiences once in a while for this team. And we always wonder, okay, sure, but did they learn anything? It sure felt like coming out of Sacramento, they learned a thing or two going into Phoenix last night, didn't it? For sure. And I think people tend to forget how young this team is. There's a rookie in the starting lineup who just played his, what, 10th, 11th game, second-year guy, a third-year guy. And then you got the vets who are both 25 or younger in that starting line. They're so young that that Sacramento game, just they were flat. They didn't play very physically. And yeah, they've done a great job of coming out after losses this year and really responding well. I felt like they did that in Phoenix last night, a much more physical game all around. And it feels like they, they took something away from just that incredibly slow start in Sacramento. Thunder started off incredibly quick in Phoenix, got up early, did lose the lead, got it back there at the end, obviously. But it's it's like the coaching staff always says, and it, it's so cliche, but it's so true. You just got to stack these good days. You got to build these habits, and those come one day at a time. You're not going to make these jumps and these leaps. It's piece by piece, bite by bite. And despite being 6-4 and four this season, the Thunder will head into tomorrow night's game 0-0. Zero and zero. Because that's what they preach. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But uh, yeah, you go back to last night, and um, you know, as far as physicality goes, I mean, Sacramento brought it. They were hustling. They were throwing their bodies around. Sabonis was just wrecking them inside, and there was a different kind of wreckage in Phoenix. But it was something that you know OKC was able to sustain very well. And you know, then OKC's defense engages in the fourth quarter. Uh, just talk about when you're watching that game, just sort of what you're going through, because there was a moment where I thought this could flip. And I didn't realize it until afterwards that Phoenix had completely collapsed for the nine, last nine minutes of the game. Yeah, I didn't realize it in the moment how few points they scored in that fourth quarter. But the Thunder defense was on point the entire game. I mean, early there in the first quarter, we had that Lou Dort steal on a Kevin Durant entry pass. 30 feet from the hoop and a run out and a dunk. 
they were very engaged early. I think the Suns shot around like 40% on the night. The things that stick out are the things that the sore thumb that you are looking for, like the offensive rebounding. But even when you see the rebounding numbers, Phoenix only outscored the Thunder in second chance points. I think it was like nine to three, like a very marginal difference. Phoenix had 17, 18 turnovers. The Thunder using that length, that athleticism, that speed to play the passing lanes. The defense engaged from the word go. And I thought from a physicality standpoint, Jalen Williams, J-Dub in particular, had it going from all three levels offensively. But it wasn't just the scoring. It was how he was doing it. Getting downhill and just big bodying guys out of the way. Using his physicality to guard Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant. Like His response specifically, I thought, kind of set the tone for the entire team on how they went throughout that Phoenix game. And I, like you said, that fourth quarter, they locked in. And I thought, especially the fourth quarter, Chet Holmgren and his defense really shine. Anytime a Phoenix player would get within 10 feet of the basket, it was a quick U-turn and go the other way because just that that rim presence that he provides, that paint presence that he provides, they locked in. And if they can continue to do that, the offensive rebounds are still going to happen. It's just a product of this team. But the tenacity defensively, if they can sustain that, they're going to be a really good basketball team. Oh, and by the way, she, Gildas Alexander, was pretty awesome last night, too, which oh, yeah, just aside a from the Denver game piece. this season has been, has been pretty standard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Doing that without the free throw attempts, too. I, I mean, when you look at the season average, Shea is down about 45% on free throw attempts per game compared to last season. Did get up to eight free throw attempts last night, but John didn't go to the free throw line for his second time until 432 left in the fourth quarter. Not getting the whistle nearly as much, and so he's finding other ways to be effective. Another guy, very engaged defensively, and poor Phoenix just had absolutely no answer for Shea. When he's when he's got that midi pull-up going, it you're going to have a long night. You can't. You step out to guard that. He gets to the rim. You stay off of it. You go under the screen. The pull-up is there every time. He about made Bradley Beal trip over his own feet at one point on a little push crossover. That uh, The leap he's made is just phenomenal. It's fun to watch. It is fun to watch. Yeah, that it is. And it's going to be constant adjustments because, I mean, Shea talked about earlier this season that you know, the refs are calling things differently. They're letting a lot of things go. And like you mentioned, the Thunder as a team are not getting to the free throw line on those drives like they were last season. They're down you know, a few attempts per game compared to last season. Uh, I noticed that like Lou Dort is not drawing those uh, offensive fouls uh, mm-hmm. when he's, you know, part of a pick and roll uh, like he was getting in the past. It feels like the game's being called a little bit differently. And, uh, you know, again, I think the Thunder, they're going to figure out where to find some advantages right now, but it feels like a lot of the tools from the tool bag last year were taken from the job side. Definitely. Well, you look at Jalen Williams from Arkansas, Jay will no charges on the season yet. Yeah. He, he did miss some time due to injury, but, You'd expect by this time there to be 10 or 15 charges in the bag already, the way he draws them. Uh, none so far. And part of that is the officiating. Part of that is the memo was out on the guy, and teams now have a full season of data to look at and to adjust to. So he will have to adjust the way he defends. But yeah, lots are changing. I, I wonder, in a sense, Ham, 
we've seen the NBA come in and be very hardcore about certain new officiating rules. And at last, a little after Thanksgiving, maybe till Christmas, and then we always settle back down. They start high, and it levels back off. We saw this with the Thunder last season. They weren't getting very many foul calls. I forget which game it was, but Mark Dagnall went in that post-game press conference with all that data and started laying down, this is what we're doing. We're not getting these calls. This is the calls the other teams are getting. Here's the percentages. And Lord behold, if not the next night, Shea starts getting the whistle more. It's just going to take time. Everything, I think, will balance out. The, the NBA has has these tendencies to ebb and flow a little bit. But at the end of the day, we always kind of level out. So I would, I would expect the free throws and uh, the the offensive fouls the Thunder draw so well to those to come back to the surface uh, probably sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's the annual points of emphasis that they put out. You know, there mm-hmm. was one year where there was a zero tolerance policy towards griping at the officials, and there was a lot of technical fouls in the month of November, and then it settled back down. Um, uh, they've had it for oh my gosh, I, I I forget the other things, but every once in a while they have there was a delay a game to- one. Delay of game. That's right. Yes. Uh, that was the other one that, you know, they started issuing delay of game and technical fouls early on. And people are like, you're delaying the game even more by doing all this. Okay. What are you really accomplishing here? Um, and so, yeah, some of this is like early season stuff that they're trying to set a tone. And then once we kind of get past that, I'll be really curious to see, you know, what we're talking about in the month of December and into January. Um, and maybe if some of these trends are picking back up again, is that something you're kind of expecting? Yeah, I I think it will even out eventually. Um, it, I, I, not really as much of an NBA thing as just a human nature thing, right? Sure. You, you try to go against the grain and eventually you, you fall back into what you're comfortable with. So, um, but hey, to this point, 10 games in, the Thunder have adjusted pretty well. Six and four is the best start they've had in four years, five years, something like that. So they are definitely 2018. Yeah, settling, settling in and, and adjusting uh, how they've needed to. And even though they're not getting the offensive fouls, they're finding ways to turn over teams in other ways uh, and finding ways to be effective defensively. So looking up ahead, uh, the next game is the next game of the in-season tournament against San Antonio. Before we talk about that game specifically, now that we've got a couple of games under our belts, not only with OKC, but just across the league, has your opinion changed much at all in terms of the in-season tournament, how you feel about it? And do the courts get you fired up now? Is there anything that makes you feel any differently than coming into the season? I will say 90% of the courts I'm into. I think they look really cool. Um, they look kind of sharp. Yeah. Some of them are god-awful. Uh, god bless those teams. <laughs> but most of them look really cool. Uh, the energy has been good. Now, the Thunder are 0-2. And so that's not fun. Uh, so maybe mm-hmm. next year. But this was going to be a thing that was going to take some time anyways. Um I'm not surprised that a lot of people aren't super bought into the end season tournament in year one, but give it three, four years, especially after we see the final four go to Vegas and see what that looks like. I think that will be pretty cool. And I mean, it's not a bad payday for anybody. So 
give it some time. I think it's just like anything else. It's going to take time for people to get used to it. But I think eventually it's going to be a really, really cool feature of the NBA season. I just think it's so new right now. And the only thing that looks different with the on-court production is the court itself. So there's nothing to really get excited about. But I think once we get to the Final Four in Vegas, I think people will buy in a lot more. And I think you'll see teams buy in a lot more. And I think fans probably just need to go through this for a year or so just to kind of of understand how it works. I can't tell you. I had so many people that after the Warriors game were like, see, the NBA wanted the Warriors to advance. And it's like, that's that's not how this works. It's called group play. It's you'll, you'll get it next year. Right. Yes. I I think there's some people that they can read on paper about the different groups and how it works and some of the tiebreakers and whatnot. But I think once they kind of go through it for one season, I think next year it'd be maybe a little more natural for them. And I think that's a good point about the final four in Vegas. I think that could be an atmosphere that fans start going, Oh, okay. I, I would, I would like to be, part of that even if I'm not there. I would like to celebrate that thing, so I want my team to be in this next year. Definitely. Yeah. Yep, makes a lot of sense. So San Antonio tomorrow night, uh, which not only an in-season tournament game, it is the first regular season matchup between Chet Holmgren and Victor Wimbanyana. Uh, we got a taste of that in the first preseason game, and that was a lot of fun for the one half of basketball. They were on the floor, Jacob. And, uh, you know, you look at the Spurs coming in, and Thunder Spurs was a really good, uh, I call it a rivalry. Uh, it was more like two teams that highly respected each other. It was almost like OU Nebraska, I think, back in the day. Um, it was kind of like the, 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 the Thunder and Spurs. But, um, you know, I think there's some hope or maybe an idea that that's going to become a thing again, given what OKC is building and what San Antonio can do. But there's more than just Chet and Wimby. I want to talk about them you know, here in a minute. But what else do you see? What else should people be looking for if they're just sort of you know, not aware of some of the finer workings between the two teams tomorrow night? For sure. Well, I would assume that a lot of Thunder fans did not, or people who absorb Thunder basketball did not watch that first preseason game. Uh, preseason basketball is reserved for the degenerates like you and I, Ham. Um, I'm not <laughs> yes. sure how many people are tuning in. But one interesting thing from that game was Chet and Wemby didn't guard each other. It was J-Dub who guarded Victor Wembenyama. Chet mm-hmm. guarded Zach Collins. So I think that's an interesting little wrinkle that's going to be fun to watch Tuesday night. Uh, we didn't get to see Jeremy Sohan whenever the Spurs came to Oklahoma City for that first preseason game. A big physical guy who probably should play the four in the league, but is playing point guard for San Antonio, which I think is awesome. That's an interesting little wrinkle. Uh, Devin Vassell of the San Antonio Spurs has battled some injuries this season, but he's, I think he's one of the most unsung guys in the NBA. He's incredible. Really, really good player. Uh, The Spurs like to space the floor out. They've actually, the Spurs have played really good, but they have these crazy swings of games. They'll go up 20 and then lose. Or they'll, like uh, that infamous Phoenix game where the the Victor Wembanyama welcome to the league game when the Spurs were down 20 and came back and won. Uh, I think just the other night they had like a 19-point lead and ended up losing to the Miami Heat. Uh, so it, they have these crazy swings back and forth. And it's going to be interesting to see, does that trend continue tomorrow night in OKC? 
Um, because we've seen the Thunder have crazy swings as well. I, I go back to the second game of the season against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Thunder are up. They get down by 10. And then with the final two minutes, they come back and win it. And so I think it's going to be a highly entertaining game. Uh, like you said, between two franchises that I do think respect each other, who are on a similar trajectory of we're young and we're still developing, but the sky is the limit. The sky is the absolute limit with the the talent on both of these teams. I think the Thunder are further along. Uh, one team has an all-NBA player. The other does not. I think that's going to play a big role. But it's going to be really fun to see these two. I, I think a lot of people would say probably the two highest upside young teams in the NBA go head-to-head. Yeah, and you know you touched upon it. Chet and Wimby were not matched up one-on-one. And I'm sure that's, that's bound to happen on occasion, depending on the lineups or, you know, if there's a switch or something, but you know, one play, like you say, we're degenerate. So we watched that preseason game and we took a lot from it. That probably doesn't mean a whole lot, but there was a play I remember where uh, Charles Bassey was on the floor. He was the nominal center for San Antonio. And so Chet was guarding him. And, you know, there was a play where J-Dub is guarding Wembanyama, and he overcomes a double. I think it was Isaiah Joe. Could have been Shea. I can't remember exact. Well, yeah. Anyway, it was another Thunder player, um, you know, who threw the – and then Wimby threw the pass to Bassey, and he's met at the rim by Chet. And so, you know, it, it goes to show, like, if those matchups had been shifted, if the Thunder had a true big man, you know, that matchup would have gone differently. But, you know – that, that kind of gave a peek into the Thunder's thinking on we don't necessarily want Chet drawn away from the rim. We want to make sure that he's there to, you know, to intimidate other players. And this was in preseason game number one, and we just talked about game number 10 versus Phoenix where we saw that happen in action. It's developing. It's part of the plan. And so, yeah, it would be fun to have these two guys go mano a mano. Uh, much like Hakeem versus Ewing or whatever, you know, Shaq versus he had no peer back in the day. But, you know, point being, you know, it would be fun to see that. But these teams are being designed a little bit differently, and you kind of get the reasons why. Yeah, definitely. Now, even though they don't guard each other, I can for very much foresee a time tomorrow night where Wemby comes down and hits a ridiculous three and Chet comes down and responds with a three and Wemby comes back down and gets a dunk. And I could see something like that happening. I'm super excited that this is also a, I believe it's a TNT game. I know it's nationally televised. Yes. I think it's a TNT game earlier tip in Oklahoma city, uh, six 30 instead of seven. But I feel like the NBA community as a whole has like seen Victor play a lot because when you get when you land Victor Wembanyama in the draft, you get national TV games. I don't feel like a lot of the general NBA fandom across the country has got to see J Dub and Shea and Kaysen Wallace and Chet mm-hmm. Holmgren. And this is I know they've had like one or two nationally televised games so far, but this feels like a chance for a coming out party, especially with those two, even though they won't guard each other for the entire game, going head to head. Uh, just an awesome opportunity for the Thunder to announce themselves to fans across the globe. So with that, I'm going to steal an idea from my sellout crowd cohort, Eli Letterman. We're going to play a little game here. And it's just for you, Jacob. It can't be used anywhere else unless you have a family member that comes on this show. We are calling it, are you NIF in or are you NIF out? See, I love I'm it. just... You know, just so clever, and uh, I'm such a thief by taking this 
from Eli, who uh, who does this with Garen Emig. Are you Gare in or Gare out? And uh, I'm like, well, I got Jacob coming on. I am stealing that concept completely. So um, let's go through a few things here. Uh, feel free to elaborate. Give me your give me your temperature on this. Um, as you mentioned, OKC has displayed a rebounding issue throughout this season. Uh, it has been more pronounced at times, uh, and in, in other cases, it's been contained. But you know, what say you to the idea that they need to make a major trade to fix the rebounding? Are you niff in or are you niff out on this? A major trade to address the rebounding issue. I am very much niff out on this one. John, like, I, I, I don't know where to go with this one. Like, fans, uh, people who watch this team have been very upset with the rebounding. I've had people in my mentions saying they need to go trade for Carl Anthony Towns. Last night, it was Kelly Olynyk of all guys, that they needed to go trade for. How they solve the rebounding issue is you get your guys to go rebound the ball. Like, I look at Lou Dort in that Phoenix game in the fourth quarter. That man was everywhere, ripping rebounds from all over the floor. Part of it, yes, is a, a, a personnel decision. But like I said earlier, they forced 17 Phoenix turnovers. You don't get that if you go trade for a big lumbering center who can't do much else. The Thunder have a very specific way they want to play. And I think Sam Presti and, and Mark Dignott will tell you the same thing. There's not some magic fix the rebound button that we can hit. This is something that these guys have to fight through. They have to learn. They have to do. And it's a learning process. And honestly, like as somebody who has taught people for a very long time, the best teacher is going through experience and you struggle. And through that struggle, you find your success. They are not, I, I, like I, would be, I would be floored if they made any trade this year, much less a trade to fix the rebounding problem. So that kind of leads into the next one then. Okay, so we're not going to make a major trade to fix the rebounding or, or even a minor trade. And I've seen the minor trades out there, and I've seen some rather bad trades out there that we're not going to talk about. But how about this idea that with Shea showing what he's capable of and with all of the plentiful assets on the team, the Thunder need to go in and cash those in now to start winning. Are you niff in or are you niff out on this idea? I am two for two on the niff out so far, Ham. They do have a ton of assets. They have million trades they could go make. You don't know what you have yet. Like, you know what you have in Shea. But people saying, like, move Chet to the four and go trade for a center. You have a 10-game sample size of Chet at the four. Uh, for people who live in Oklahoma, like, uh, your life around this time of year revolves around college football. 10 years, or 10, sorry, 10 years. 10 games in an NBA season is the equivalent of like a game and a half in a college football season. You're not yeah. benching the quarterback and firing the defensive coordinator and redrawing up all the plays a game and a half into your non-conference schedule. You're not going to make drastic changes 10 games into an NBA season. The time will come to cash in the assets. And I personally think cashing in those assets looks more like trading up from pick 12 to pick 6 more than it does trading Josh Giddy and five firsts to go get Mikhail Bridges. I, I could be totally wrong. I'm just some knucklehead that you decided to invite on a podcast, but I, I see trading up in the draft as their cash in the assets move uh, more than going and getting 
an established star in the league. All right. So Oklahoma City, renowned three-point shooting team that they are. Of course, they are not. But this season, they are currently within the top five in three-point field goal percentage. Jacob, are you niff in or niff out on that sustaining for the entire season? This is a difficult one because the shooting has been awesome, and I just went on a rant about how a 10-game sample size means absolutely nothing. (laughs) I am going to go three for three on niff out here with the caveat that they're currently fourth in the league, 37.5%. I think they're going to end top 10. Not top five, but top 10 would be a pretty substantial jump from last year where I think they were like in the late teens. Um, And that's because Chet Holmgren can like legitimately shoot the ball. I think part of it is Lou Dort having a better shot diet and taking more open shots and not forcing as much. Shea is shooting the three ball more. He's up to like four attempts per game, five attempts per game. Um, J-Dub has made a leap. Kaysen Wallace can shoot it. Uh, And we haven't even seen guys like Isaiah Joe is not shooting anywhere near what he shot last year yet. Davis Bertans and his cameos so far has not shot the ball well. I think when it's all said and done, they'll be top 10, but I'm going out on top five. I mean, I think that makes sense because, you know, the guys that are shooting well right now are shooting unsustainably well. So you've got the guys here and you've got a few of those guys. Like you mentioned, Shea is not shooting real well to start the season. I don't know where the mean is between those two, but, you know, they're going to come to it. And uh, it's still just, you know, again, you look at it. And the Thunder had like a really hot shooting month, month and a half last season. It's something they're clearly capable uh, of doing. Um, But it was still just sort of, you know, alarming to go sort by three-point percentage and see the Thunder up towards the top after all these years. So, you know. (laughs) Throw you through a loop. uh, yeah, it's it's something to keep an eye on, but uh, man, you know if that sustains, that's that's uh, wonderful. But uh, not gonna bank on that. Um, all right, so let's step into the next one then. Uh, will OKC finish the season as a top ten team in both offensive and defensive rating? Jacob, are you niff in or niff out on this idea? Oh, this is a good one, Ham. Oh, it's so hard to say. If they are top ten in three point shooting, like I just said, they are going to be right there in offense. Yeah. Defense, it's difficult. Like the defense is is clearly good, um, but you factor in second chance points, offensive rebounds. You know what? Let's buck the trend. I'm going niff in. Give there me top go. ten in both offense and defense. Um, it's probably going to be right there around ten for both of them. Uh, but give me, give me, they sneak into that top third of the league in both. I like that. Yeah, and. The offense, I mean, they're they're there right now. And, you know, there's a number of factors that could, you know, move that a little bit. Uh, the defense is not. And some of that is because there's three games this season where they've given up 120 points or more, mm-hmm. including that Golden State game where they gave up 141. Uh, so that's going to tilt things. I, I do think that there is a lot of upward mobility <laughs> when it comes to their defensive rating. And, um you know, it, this Thunder team has been a top five offense and defense before. Uh, that's when the team is truly elite. But if they can start creeping into the top 10 in both categories, that's when you really know, I think, that uh, you know, this team is making the moves that we anticipate they're going to make. Definitely. All right. For the last one here, Jacob, 
are you niff in or niff out on the idea that OKC will be a top six team in the West at the end of the season? You know what, Ham? I think I am now firmly in the niff in category here. Again, 10-game sample is small, but some of the projections we had going into the season, we're already seeing those trends being shifted around. Like, is I don't know what Memphis does. Like, if this thing is off the rails enough by 25 games when Jaw comes back, what do they do? Um, shout out James Harden for coming into the Clippers and just completely tanking that mess. Uh, making that Clippers unprotected first-round pick the Thunder own look juicier and juicier by the moment. Houston has been good so far. Uh, I don't think that's sustainable. They've also played the weakest schedule in the NBA and have gone up against a lot of teams that have had had injuries. Uh, I don't think Houston can sustain that much. I think six is probably where I I would slate the Thunder right now. bypassing that that play in tournament that would be you want to talk about making the the next logical step forward that would be a big one and to go into a a 6-3 matchup uh, maybe you're playing the lakers maybe you're playing the kings maybe you're uh maybe phoenix although i have worries about them after watching them last night um nurkic moves about the same speed as my grandmother uh shout out to my grandma <laughs> It's I, I, I think there is a clear number one team in the West, and I think everything else is up for grabs. Like nobody has separated themselves in the West besides the Denver. Now, I mean, Dallas is playing fine, but it, it's, it's the Denver Nuggets conference right now, and everyone else is kind of playing for second place. So why can't the Thunder get to six? Yeah. Yeah, they could, they could definitely play themselves into that because – you know, there's a lot of teams that still need to consistently declare themselves throughout the season. Like you said, Dallas is off to a to a really nice start, uh, you know. But like, we'll check back and see. Um, and there's some of these, you know, some of these more veteran teams. This is the cycle of the NBA. You know, Father Time is undefeated, and you know some young teams are going to push their way up, and some of the older teams are going to start to fade a little bit. And we saw that a little bit last season, and I think it could continue on this year. So the Thunder are in that mix. And, you know, they, based on what I've seen so far, and taking into account the the hot shooting early and some of the other things that you need to be leery of, I just see a team that's that's pretty capable. And I see a, a coach in Mark Dagnalt that I think, it, not that development is completely out the window at this point, but I do think there is more of an emphasis on, we're running lineups out there that are going to give us the best chance to win and a little bit less on, we're going to let this kid play through it for a few more plays and see what happens. Um, I, I think there's a, a little bit of a different mentality or, or maybe, maybe a little shift in the, in the priorities this year. And, you know, that could, that could be something that works in OKC's uh, favor by the end of the season. Totally agree. Totally agree. It's going to be an exciting year. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's been exciting so far. It's going to just keep ramping up from here when they uh, play San Antonio. They go on the road to play Golden State a couple of times, and uh, the schedule just keeps marching on and on. Uh, Jacob, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, any other information? How can people get a hold of you? How can they reach you? How can they find your work? Go ahead. And uh, I did the introduction. You can do it better than I can. Yeah, if you are interested in checking out our podcast, The Uncontested, we are on all podcast platforms. You can also watch our live streams on YouTube. 
I am on Twitter at Jacob Niffen. That's K-N-I-F-F-E-N. If you're interested in some uh, some basketball and random video game and Lord of the Rings tweets, I'm your guy. Uh, Ham, it's always a pleasure, man. To to get the invite from the Podfather is a privilege, and so I super appreciate you bringing me on. Well, glad you carved out time for me. Uh, thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of the season, and for all of you that watch, thank you for taking some time and uh, and and listening to what we have to say today. So remember, if you like this, uh, hit the like button. Hit subscribe, uh, leave a comment. We'll follow along. We'll pop up your comments later on uh, as we go out through the season. This is still a work in progress. We're still building this thing. So uh, appreciate all the support that we've gotten so far. And uh, anything else you can offer uh, is helpful as well. Take care, everyone. We will see you next week. Here we go.